0: This week on the BOAG World Web Design Podcast, we discuss whether we should be making our rates public and if business objectives are more important than user needs. <laughs> In- Hello and welcome to BoagWorld.com, the podcast for all those involved in designing, developing and running websites on a daily basis. I'm Paul Boag and joining me is snotty-nosed Lillington. Yeah, I'm not
1: too snotty, I'm just feeling a bit... Uh... Yeah,
0: I've got to say, <laughs> I think you've given it to me. Really? I honestly do. <laughs> I can't I risked coming into the bu- uh, the barn. I need to stop saying that. Headscape house. <laughs> yes, house. Um yesterday and 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 was I kept my distance from you all day as I normally do. <laughs> I, um and yeah i i i woke up this morning and i was just like Err.
1: yeah i mean last it came on about mid last week mid late last week um just a bit sort of tickly throat and a bit snotty and then i properly died over the weekend Pro- oh. proper man flu um saturday sunday and monday and then i thought yesterday morning oh, i feel better now and it was about halfway through the day that I just thought, oh, no, I don't. And I'm yeah. the same again this morning. And, and so so as a result, the
0: listeners are once again getting a remote podcast episode. <laughs> and I drove all the way into Winchester for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> well, I guess not. Because you wussed out. <laughs> yeah. I uh, oh, I don't
1: feel very well.
0: Yeah. <sighs> I really I don't i know it's horrible can it? i
1: just just not join
0: in well this is the problem because i don't really want to be doing this anyway <laughs> yes you do no you I, I don't do i don't care about the listener <laughs> yeah. i've got other more important things to get on with i feel a bit <laughs> rough thor's come down in the cinema and i want to go see that what do you want to see thor Thor. i love marvel oh, thor right. you know the guy with the big hammer
1: yes of greek no no of swedish legend yes or norse Viking, legend or whatever it nordic is. yes yes okay so, so I've got no interest in doing a podcast today. I quite fancy seeing... Well, what, so uh, you're, um, you'd rather be going to the pictures? It's yes. Fair enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you quite fancy going to see?
1: Uh, gravity, when it comes out. Uh, that that
0: look, just looks too tense for me. I think <laughs> I, I'll watch it when it comes out on DVD so I can turn it off. <laughs> no, it looks great. It does look good, I'd say. What you've got to go and see mine is Ender's Game
1: yeah i read the book and i wasn't as wowed by the book as everybody said it uh, as everybody, all oh, yeah i love that one and i was like mm. oh right because <laughs> i have now
0: i i've i've read ender's game then i've read speaker for the dead and then i read xenocide and i keep waiting for him to finish yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't and now i've got children of the mind to read and hopefully it'll finish by that point I'd, you know sooner yeah. or later the guy's got to die isn't he and uh, you know he can't live forever <laughs> well in sci-fi i suppose you can yeah, can't
1: yes it? um i don't know i just found it slightly i can't remember. i read it and i had i had opinions that i've forgotten uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, there was just something about it it felt a bit kind of politically in the 70s in well yeah, I, I suppose it was yeah. really which didn't sit well with me right yeah that
0: was I- it I think. And the best thing about the film is the fact that they've renamed the aliens. Apparently, it's politically incorrect to call them buggers. Yes, quite. So, they're called <laughs> Fromics or something, some other stupid name. But, With, yeah. So, there you go. I might watch it. I might. Well, you also don't want to give him money because apparently uh, he caused. they caused a big hoo-ha. Did you know about this? No. Because the, the author has got quite anti um, homosexual um, opinions, I think. And and so this all came out in the news and, and it was being boycotted and all the rest of it. But I figure, you know, on that basis, you'd never go and see a Disney film, would you? Because <laughs> he was a fascist. <laughs> well, yeah. Mm, yeah I don't know where the line is with
1: stuff like that. Well, I suppose it depends on what was kind of seen, I mean, to a certain extent, what was seen as okay at the time. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of being you know, um homophobic now is kind of not okay. So
0: But he, i mean, I don't know when he had these views. Uh, you know, uh, it could have been years ago. Yes. It is it is interesting things like that, isn't it? Because like standards do change. There was another example of that recently where everybody was very disapproving. Oh no, it's a very controversial point of view, but you know, there was very disapproving over um certain persons' behaviour. I won't bring it up as who was in the news. And I was thinking, yeah, but you're judging him by today's standards, and this was back in, you know, the 60s and 70s. Mm. And you think, that, yeah, it's an interesting moral dilemma, isn't it? Well, but anyway, I, well, I brought it up to talk about explosions and stuff, not oh, about okay. Not political. about morality and stuff no, like I'm that. No, I'm not into morality. The
1: fact that there is a, a burgeoning moral arrow as we move forward in time. It, it, Ooh! It, yes,
0: this is this is true. Well, you're making the presumption that that kind of makes the presumption that our morality is improving. Yes, you reckon it is. Yes, but what about the Victorians? Um, well, because th- th- they were very moralistic. Yeah, but there's a difference
1: between although they got up to all kinds of things behind the scenes. Yeah, and I, I'm all right. Maybe maybe moral isn't the right word. um A sense of fairness, arrow. I guess we're becoming more inclusive yes there was a book there was a sci-fi book that talked about that there was
0: um... oh it was a Webmind, the one about um the the sentient life on the internet yes and he talked about how you know it was one stage <laughs> where it was only white people mm-hmm. and then it was you know black uh, women and then it was black people and eventually will we have will animals have rights you know and, and he was talking about whether he would end up having rights as a somebody that isn't human yes yeah that's what you're talking about isn't it it is that's very good and that's a really good series as well if you're looking for another sci-fi series although again you weren't that impressed at that one
1: i liked the story but it all felt a bit kind of i know the the, the main character was a teenage girl but it felt all a bit teenage girl yeah um, well, it was but a good story it was a very good story interestingly
0: ender's game picks up on some of the same themes as well in in later books oh well, i haven't read the later books no because you only read ian m banks which could be a problem as he's now dead
1: <laughs> yeah i've just i've just finished his last book actually oh yeah. was
0: his what he published another one did he after hydrogen sonata
1: yeah under ian, uh, it was an ian banks book oh him. i'm not interested in those oh, no, it's good very yeah good. i don't like the real world <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, interestingly um it, it's a story that he started before he knew he had cancer about it's kind of written from the sense of an autistic 18 year old son of a man who's dying of cancer Oh, and right. the last sort of it's about a weekend when all his ex uni friends come to the house okay um and it, yeah it's it's good i mean it's it's sort of you know typical ranty ian banks book but it's it's good Ranty Ian Banks' book, yeah. He's a little ranty, isn't he? Yes. But then I always think good authors are ranty. Yeah, well, he rants about most of the things he rants about, I agree with. So, but well, that helps, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> kind of common sense stuff. Yeah. yeah, or you know, his political views are very similar to mine, so yeah, what right wing fascist, yeah, Jeremy Clarkson, views. quite the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you do like Jeremy Clarkson. I like his ability. I like. I like. Hi- um, you like his rantiness. I like his rantiness, and I like. I like him as an entertainer. I think yeah. he's a very good entertainer. He is a very good entertainer. I can't argue with that.
0: Um, yes, exactly. Uh, so we're talking about some web design stuff today. Okay, eventually. We'll get on to that, Um, (laughs) as we have to, as we feel obliged to. And we're going to be talking about, um, uh, oh, something that you might get ranty about, actually. Okay. Which is, um, this house proposes that web designers ought to make their rates public. Okay. Which uh, (laughs) I know is something that you have opinions on. Mm -hmm. And the second one is going to be, this house proposes that web designers should acknowledge that business requirements are more important than user needs, which is something I get ranty over. Yes. So between the two of us... This it could we, uh, especially as we're both feeling a bit ill, mm. we could become really quite obnoxious in this
1: show. <laughs> oh, I hope not. I'm going to be really nice. Oh don't be. Yeah, no, that's I, so dull. I feel People don't tune in for niceness. <laughs> no, we got. I got all kind of rah 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 last week, didn't I? I can't, Did you? I can't remember now. No, I can't remember. I think I was accused of being rah 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 by you. Oh well, that's not surprising. <laughs> I tend to do that.
0: All right, let's let's move on to to, to rates and discuss that one then. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so, as I just said, this house proposes that web designers ought to make their rates public. That's an interesting one. Right, this came about um, through something that I was sent by a user. I'm just trying to look up his name at the same time. Nothing like preparing in advance. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Eugene. Um, And he basically... um, well let me read you some of of eugene's thoughts on it he wrote i hear some web designers and agencies laminate uh, laminating that's what you do (laughs) to paper isn't it you make it again shiny yes about um, clients uh, gravitate... Oh, for crying <laughs> Anna, this is going to be bad, isn't it? Right, I'm going to start again. Gravitatizing. Gravitatizing. Um, I hear some web designers and agencies lamenting about uh, clients gravitating towards cheaper services. They complain that cheap design undermines the true value of what it is um, to be involved in this profession. However, agencies and freelancers alike shroud their costs in mystery while at the same time complaining about cheaper competition. How can there be cheap cheap when there isn't a standard bracket? He goes on to write, if low prices are destroying the market, surely educating up and uh, coming designers on what is considered the norm in terms of costs and quality can help the industry as a whole. So, he proposes we all need to be upfront and talk about what our rates are. Marcus, why is that a bad idea? Why would it be a bad idea for
1: us to post on Headscape our rates? Um, that wouldn't be a good a, a good idea um, because it would give our competition a an unfair commercial advantage when we went up against them. Um, but why would it? But well, hang on. Okay, gone. Um, I've got no problem in all agencies submitting to um a kind of central body which does happen you can um i can't remember what it is chris look chris downloads it every year um where basically it shows you trends in um uh, the different rates that you get for different type you know a designer or a front end developer or a uh, an art director and all this kind of thing um and it can give you sort of like London rates and outside rates and freelancer rates and all that kind of thing. I've got absolutely no problem at all in submitting to that kind of survey. Right. Um, and then people can go and look at that survey and, and you know, work out what they think they should be charging from that. But I don't think it should be down to individual, um, uh, in, individual agencies to publish their rates because of what I just said, that it um, – you can effectively put yourself at a disadvantage, okay, by doing so.
0: So, so Eugene says on um, his, you know, his argument about well, we need to, you know, it will help us establish what the norms are. That actually is a false argument, and I totally agree with you over that. That there are, you know, list apart, do it, e consultancy, do it. There are various other places that collect data together where people submit. Um, you know, how much they charge and that's published and you can go and look at that and that will tell you the norms. Yeah. So that really is a, a false argument. But he is also arguing broader than that. He's saying that, you know, web designers ought to make their rates publicly visible, all right? What What do you see as the consequences of doing that? You say that it puts it as a competitive
1: disadvantage, but why? Um. Well, quite sim- Quite simply, people can undercut you. We're, if If the the idea of having a competitive tender went away that basically just people picked you you know they went and looked at your website and and prices were not really uh, people didn't select on price then it wouldn't be an issue but they do so therefore it is
0: but isn't it pretty much impossible to compare liked for like because the, the problem is, is, it's talking about undercutting you. Yeah, we're, you know, as Headscape, we are going to be undercut because there are going to be, you know, people working out of their bedrooms <laughs> while, at, you know, part, working part time in yes. an O2 store or something. We
1: won't go up against them in a competitive tender. We'll be going up against people who are agencies similar to us.
0: Right. And, but we know that generally speaking, agencies similar to us charge similar to us. So what's the problem?
1: Um, i i get put like that i guess there isn't that much of a problem but i think in the real world there is i i, I, I can't do thinking today paul no that's fine
0: <laughs> all right well let's look at some well instead of you having to come up with some ideas let's have a look
1: see what, what other a great idea have, yes have i like that idea very much
0: right um <laughs> Let's, let's see what Clive is saying. He says, competing on price is great when starting out or if your business model fits that kind of work, but it's not for everyone. Why should everyone support a model by sharing their rates? So he's basically saying, really, price is only a massive issue when you're, when you're starting out. Um, and that, you know, a lot of us don't compete over price. We don't compete over price, do we? We don't sell on the basis of what our rates
1: are. No, but we tend to be – we 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 will uh, enter competitive tenders when we know what the budget is, and it's more a case of what you will do for that budget, um, whereas, you know, a very expensive agency will only do A, B and C, whereas we might do A, B, C, D and E for that budget. And, you know, then that's the competitive um, angle to it.
0: Yeah, I think there's also, um, he, he goes on to make another quite nice statement that I quite like, which is, um, if you're advertising your rates, aren't you encouraging people to judge you on price, mm. um, as in you're competing on price? So, uh, you know, perhaps putting your rates up is it, um, has a detrimental effect from that point of view, that, you know, you're saying, hey, we're cheap, when maybe you're mm-hmm. not, because you'd only advertise your rates if you were cheap, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, then, to be totally honest, I... I, I wouldn't want to put up, because of the reasons you just said. I, I don't think it's 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 necessarily something that's that positive to put your rates onto onto your website. But if somebody asked me what they were, you know, if, if it, uh, somebody um, you know wanted to uh, talk to me about what what we charge on an hourly basis or a daily basis, I'm not that precious about that. No. Um, because actually it doesn't really mean a lot Go, Going back to what I just said It's about what you can do It's, like, it's, it's how it, If you're charging, I don't know, £50 an hour And it takes you th- four weeks to do a job That would take us two days to do Then you're way more expensive than we are Yeah For example Yeah So really, you know, hourly rates, daily rates Do they mean a lot?
0: Yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of feel the same Um <coughs> Uh, But, yeah, there's kind of two sides of it here, isn't there? There's there's putting your daily rates up or your hourly rates, and then there's putting up, you know, um, our average kind of project is in this range. How do you feel about putting something up like that? Um, Because it strikes me that you spend, and I know you spend a lot of your time, where we get well, not a lot of your time it doesn't take you that long but an annoying little job that you and chris have is those people that write in constantly saying can you do my three-page website yeah
1: but they'll do that anyway because they won't read it on the website if you put it on the website unless you make it the first thing people see when they come to Well, wouldn't website. you put it by the contact us form yes yeah, I, I
0: mean somebody one uh, one guy um i don't know whether i've got it here um, who who actually said? I think it was look, touch, feel, but I might be wrong. Um, he he wrote that. Oh, here we go. Yeah, he's on yes, there. got it. On our inquiry forms, our budget indicator starts at 2k as a required field, so that it has to be made a selection. Um, we often ask for budget in the first email for uh, phone exchange. Uh, we will tipi- um, give typical budgets when asked, but try to caveat each project is different now we do the second part of that, mm-hmm. and we always discuss budget yep. why don 't we put it as a required field on the website because um, I actually think that 's quite a good idea personally
1: i, I don 't because of the kind of work that we the, the kind of work that we want to compete for it, you know for new client work is it you know it's it's that it 's It'll. They'll be sending us a thirty-page brief for it. It's not the kind of thing that they'll tick a box about. This is our budget, um, in a, in an email to us. Yeah. It. it you know. You're put. You're, again. You're labelling yourself as somebody that does X or Y type projects by doing that. I'm, I don't mind having to to sift through the odd email that's inappropriate. That's fine. Okay. Um, I think it's. Yeah. It's making it too much like, kind of like a shop, and you know we're a consultancy not yeah. wanting to sound too kind no, of no, that, about it no
0: that makes sense to me i kind of get that
1: so let's have a look at some of the the
0: because the, we've kind of concentrated on reasons against it let's have a look at um some some positives for that uh, actually this first positive immediately gets undermined um chris cowley wrote um personally i do not think that prices uh price That prices are commercially sensitive unless it means some of your clients are being ripped off, in which case you need to ask why your salespeople are giving such big discounts to the rest. Now, immediately, David responds and says, well, discounts is actually, uh, you know, a legitimate strategic reason. And I kind of agree that, you know, long term clients, we do sometimes discount because they come back to us regularly. So I don't really feel that that stands up as a reason. Would you agree? No. Nope. No. Okay. I, t- I just wanted to check I wasn't <laughs> insane over that. Sorry, Chris. We disagree with you over that one. But I can see where you're coming from. But, yeah. Michael. So much of the growth in the web industry is based on its community of sharing. We share everything, code and concepts. Learning web design is a process of copying like any art. I just think that um, the, the culture should be more open in discussing about pricing. That I agree with, actually. That's a kind of different thing. That goes back to what you were talking about earlier, uh, Marcus, about submitting our pricing and stuff like that. Which well, quite an interesting one is because often i you know i'm giving talks uh, at conferences and stuff like that and i i do find myself avoiding talking about pricing at conferences now if you were sitting in the room marcus mm-hmm. and i started talking about our charge out rates and our average project value and those kinds of things not mentioning specific clients would that make you feel uncomfortable in that context
1: possibly what what's missing from what michael said is that yeah maybe the web design community works like that but all of the potential clients out there don't and they're the ones who are selecting us for the work i go back to but
0: but you could argue i can see where he's coming from because what he's essentially saying there is that well hang on a minute we give away our competitive advantage all the time every day i
1: blog i am telling my competition how to work like Headscape works. Yeah, I mean, you could argue. I mean, it's the old, uh, you know, the adage of, uh, you know, paying two pound fifty for a cup of coffee and all that kind of thing it's like when, you know, when did that become the norm and it's kind of like people want to pay for want to if they're paying over the odds it's a perceived they're perceiving that they're getting quality so you could argue that you could that you know we're looking at this from being undercut all the time but actually if you put really high rates on your website and talk about like huge project values that actually you know you're you're bigging yourself up so potentially that's you could look at it like that i don't i'm not sure whether i would or not
0: no, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of happy with what we do, which is we don't talk about money a huge I'd like to be able to talk about it more, you know, like, like right now, I would quite happily talk about what our average project value is and, you know, uh, and even what our, our charge-out rates are. But I think you'd
1: be more uncomfortable with doing that. Yeah, I don't know what our average project value is. You have to start saying, you have to start saying, for this, yeah, this what type of know, thing which is, is that, but then but you're, you're instantly, you know what it's like, you can spend, you can spend a morning doing some testing, or you can spend two weeks doing it properly, but it's still called testing.
0: Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing is difficult, it's interesting, I've just written a blog post on exactly that, that won't be out, I don't think, when this show comes out, but essentially it, it talks about, um, you know, I, I, I was... Um, trying to work out how to deal with email addresses on a website I'm working on at the moment, that they want to display, you know, um, you want people to be able to contact them. And do we go down the form route? Do we go down the email route where it's a mail to link? Or is there actually other stuff we can do? And I'm syncing it through and trying different approaches and, you know, kind of playing around with it. And I spent, you know, I spent probably a couple of hours thinking about that and how best to deal with that. Or if I'd been building a kind of bog standard low end website, I would have just shoved a mail to link on it and I'm done, Mm. you know, so that's a kind of example of, you you know, and you could say, well, I wasted two hours, but actually I didn't. I came up with quite a neat solution or I feel it was quite a neat solution that really will enhance the user experience um, rather than just kind of doing the bare minimum so there you know you do ultimately it's the old adage you get what you pay for don't you yeah
1: so therefore if you start talking about average project values and and hourly rates you're you know you're liable to be misinterpreted should we yeah so i'd rather not talk about them yeah because
0: there is a a big chance of of you getting into the realms of what 30 grand for that you know and you think well it's 30 grand But it includes all of these things and, you know, these advantages. I'm I'm more happy to talk about, I think I'm more happy to talk about um, the value of projects where there is a specific return on investment associated with them. Mm. But very rarely are you in a position where you can do that so yeah I'm kind of agreeing alright Simon Simon has the last chance to turn us around on this right (laughs) I don't even know what he's written but I've written it or added it to the notes so let's see putting rates on your site is a great idea as it allows potential clients to understand what they need to budget for Um, so you cut Um, out the low price requests or major project ones that you can't cope with so uh, he's taking the approach of of dealing with those annoying emails that come in
1: i guess if you if you were overrun with them then you might want to consider doing something like that we're not so i'd rather not
0: yeah i mean you you can you can tell very quickly can't you just from looking at an email whether it's appropriate or not and you've almost got a standard response you um, send out of you yeah kind of (laughs) <laughs> okay he doesn't even want to talk about that <laughs> apparently that is commercially confident uh, co- confidential so there you go I okay. let people down gently you let them down gently yeah, yeah. you say i'm not rejecting you because you haven't got enough money we're just too busy that's what you do i'm gonna tell everyone <laughs> so if you get an email from us saying that's we're not, too busy so... it means we hate you <laughs> that's what it means at the moment that is a completely true statement though oh yeah we are too busy that is true yeah but i think you send it out all the time (laughs) all right now i've embarrassed marcus although i don't think i have you're really hard to embarrass i wish you were easier to embarrass it's very annoying no i don't embarrass easily you're just so laid back yeah that is true the older you get the less embarrassed you become about anything really yeah been there done that (laughs) right so should we move on to the next thing let's do that let's get this show over with all right so next up is is something that is is close to my heart um and that is the idea of um user centric design and the fact that user centric design has almost now got to the stage where it's um damaging uh business objectives in some senses Um, So as web designers, I I think we've become so obsessed with what the user wants that we're sometimes we neglect what the business wants. Um, So my proposal is this house proposes that web designers should acknowledge that business requirements are more important than user needs. Um, And this was an interesting one. I think I possibly skewed the conversation by by very obviously coming down on one side. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> or people didn't dare disagree with you. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> there, there was a couple of disagreements. Let's look at the people that disagree with me. Um, Susanna um, was one, and she said, um, web developers provide value to their customers in giving them advice on producing a website that attracts the users and fulfills the customer's business goals. They have to keep in mind that positive user experiences can be a crucial must-have for the success of a website and a business. In my humble opinion, this is the filter all our work is passing. User experience is far, um, far, as far as it is a decisive factor for customer success. So in other words, a site can't be successful unless it has a um, positive user
1: experience. Makes sense. Yeah, I can see where she's coming from. Absolutely, I think what she's saying is that they are as equally as important as other, as other as a, one is as important as the other. You can't say that <laughs> business requirements are more important than the user needs, or the other way around. Yeah, I can I can see where
0: she's coming from with that, but actually, I think I disagree with it. Um, But we'll come on to uh, maybe I, well, I think the reason I disagree with this, this argument of where you can't have, um, you know, a a site success is entirely um, reliant on, on business requirements, uh, sorry, on on a good user experience. That isn't always the case Um, that you can have websites, for example, that are, you know, only around for a limited time as part of a campaign. Um, and so, actually, you just you know you don't need to care about repeat business, you know, or people coming back to the site. There can be other scenarios where um, users essentially have to use the site, whether they want to or not. Um, uh, that there are sometimes you have to make compromises over user experience because of budgetary constraints. Um, so there are situations where those two vendor, di- you know, think of it like a Venn diagram. There are, two, there are occasions when occasionally they don't completely overlap. Um, and the, in those situations, you need to make a call. You need to make a call as to whether we're going to worry about more about the users or whether we're going to be um, um, more about the, the business itself. Mm. And I actually think that the business, ultimately, the business is paying for the site. You know, And if, if the website doesn't fulfill the business objectives, even if it's the most wonderful user experience in the world, then it has failed, in my opinion.
1: What about on sites that, um, I can't think of an example, um, that are not for profit and they're being funded by, I don't know, government or something like that, um, when it's not so obvious what the business requirements are yeah, no,
0: I, I know what you mean. We, we have quite a few of those, mm. don't we? Um, then, see, again, for me, it comes back to there are lines. Let's go back to that email example I gave earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually came up with uh, a nice little solution that I, I won't bore you with now, but was an improved user experience over a bog-standard Mail2 link, right? But it took me a couple of hours to come up with that, and probably it's going to take a couple more hours to implement that, right? Well, adding a mail-to link would take 10 seconds, okay? Mm-hmm. So I've improved the user experience, but there is an associated cost with that. And that's, that's the for me, the nub of the issue. That user experience, creating a good user experience, does not come free. There is a cost associated with that. And so, a judgment call needs to be made about whether that cost is worth it or not. Yeah. So, so even with a not, not for you know a, a kind of one of these, you know, not. we're required to publish this information online, um, and there's not a clear business objective there. There is still a business requirement, which is to come in within the budget.
1: Yeah. True.
0: So, you see what I mean? Yeah. I don't disagree with you, Paul. (laughs) No, I know you don't. Um, But it's good for you to challenge me over it. Shannon um, says, my instinct is to prioritize the user um, because logic tells me that happy users will lead to conversions and word-of-mouth advertising, which in the long run is better for business. I'm curious to hear, though, some real-world examples when it's uh, seemed better for you to prioritize the business goals. So that's a... She's not disagreeing really she's she's kind of challenging me to think of some real world examples
1: where that has been the case yeah i mean the majority of the time it goes back to what um the the was saying where one feeds off the other if you've got a good user experience then your business requirements will be dealt with better than if it wasn't a good user experience it's just in those kind of where you've got to make a call yeah, um, And I'm inclined to agree with you, Paul, on that. And I think, Shannon, if you want a specific
0: example,
1: we've worked with
0: um, clients before where um, we've been working on a, a kind of a, a part of the site, a, an element of the site. Not the whole site. User experience is still important. But we've come across a particular thing where, um, you know, the the business has got an objective. I know. I'll give you a good one, right? Dick Steen. Mm-hmm. Dick Steen Shapiro. Um the, the from a user experience point of view, all those all the people coming to the site want is to get to um, a staff profile as quickly as it uh, possible. Right? They've been recommended a lawyer, right? An individual, and they want to get to that individual and see whether that individual has the experience that they want. Okay. Mm-hmm. But Dickstein Shapiro are aware that from time to time lawyers move on. Right. Um, So they don't want the relationship to be just between the customer and the lawyer, right? They want the customer to feel some loyalty towards Dickstein Shapiro and not just to the individual um, uh, lawyer. Hmm. And so they want users who come to the site to be exposed to a lot more than just that individual. They want them to see the breadth and depth of the bench that Dickstein Shapiro can offer. They want them to see other services that they offer. So there is now a difference between the user's requirements and the business objectives. And so therefore, um, we have to balance those two and make a decision about how to choose that these are the kinds of decisions that are being made all the time when we go to amazon for example to purchase something in our heads 90 percent of the time you go to amazon with a specific objective in mind i want to buy x right But does that stop Amazon from shoving all kinds of other things in front of our faces as well? Hell no, of course it doesn't, (laughs) right? If you were just designing a good user experience, you would arrive at Amazon and all it would have is be like Google, wouldn't it? With a search box, right? You type in the product you want. You'd go to a page that would essentially have the reviews at the top because that's the thing that we all care about and a bloody big buy now button and that's about it. But it's not like that on Amazon, mm. because the reality
1: is there are other business decisions there. You could argue, though, that the, the other people bought this actually improves the user experience.
0: Sure. OK, that is. But that's not the, they also have recommended products. They have, mm-hmm. um, they have adverts for the Kindle on there. They have all kinds of other stuff that's there as well. You know, so, uh, but they make it as good a user experience as they can within the business constraints is the way that I kind of see it. Right. Now, yeah. there's, interestingly, mine, there are some people that that took almost a more hard line view than me. David wrote, our only responsibility that we have is to make a profit for our companies and share, uh, shareholders. All activities should therefore be centered around a realistic, sustainable, and profitable business strategy. There must be an um, acknowledgement that it is virtually impossible to satisfy all people all of the time. We just don't have the time, resources, or expertise to do this. We therefore need to make choices about who we serve, what problems we're setting out to solve, and what differences we are wanting to make to the world. I agree with the vast majority of that. The only bit I don't, uh, don't agree with is the very first thing that David says, which is our only responsibility is to make a profit for our companies and shareholders. I do think – well, this kind of goes back to the ethical conversation mm. that we, we had. I do think we have other responsibilities beyond just profit. I think we have legal responsibilities, moral responsibilities. We're back to morals again. Yeah. This seems to be a recurring topic with us at the moment, <laughs> probably because we have none. Um <laughs> But, you know, I do think we have things beyond that. But I do think, you know, we have to be what he says about acknowledging that it's virtually impossible to satisfy all people. So we need to decide where we're going to spend our time, resources and expertise. I totally agree with. Um, So it's interesting. Let's have a look what other people have written. Ant wrote, in a perfect world, the user would always win. But in the real world, your business pays you, not users. um, So you have to prioritize them. Again, I'm not sure. Personally, I entirely agree. In a perfect world, the user would always win. Um, It depends on your definition of a perfect world, I guess. Mm. Um, I don't think my perfect world would be like that. Because I'm much more interested in... I love the constraints of web design. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I love the, you know, if you want to be an artist that produces something you know wonderful and perfect then fine but i think a designer solves real world problems you know which which have these kind of balancing acts to them and i love that i love that about it so in my perfect world i would still be a designer not an artist i think but you know we're all different um Andrew says it's a fine line. Ultimately I agree with him, you know, I completely agree with that. But ultimately it is the business that pays my wages and not the user. So yeah, totally agree with that. Donovan says my job is to supply the business. The business's job is to make the customer happy. Um, or the business may have larger strategic reasons for not wanting to make the user happy, and that's what I was getting at earlier, that sometimes there are legitimate reasons for ignoring users users needs and you need to kind of be aware of that so yes that that's that one i don't think i've got a lot more to say on that really no basically i'm right <laughs> yes paul no one will disagree with you but actually on the first one i think you've talked me around i would have quite happily posted on our website a rough guide you know we deal with projects between 5k and 50k or whatever mm. we deal with stuff bigger than that and we probably do the occasional bit of work smaller than that but um i would have happily done that but now you've taught you've taught me around on
1: that I have to say yeah i think a I'm really important just to quickly go back to the second one here i think it's a really important point here is the the idea that it's more than just it's not just about Paying, you know, me- making money for shareholders. Uh, I yeah. think we have more of a responsibility than that. And we get, going back to the ethical d- uh, discussion about if, if a, if a client uh, asks you to do something that you're not ethically comfortable with, should you do it? And we, I, th- I certainly felt that it, you should try not to. Obviously, it depends on the severity of it. Uh, but that just that discussion points to the fact that it's not just about paying shareholders.
0: Yeah, absolutely, totally agree. Job done. <laughs> Okay. Can we can we stop now? We can stop now. Oh, though you got to do a joke. <laughs> I have another one from Wizard. Right. Um, now now just take a moment, Marcus, right? Before you do this. Yes. Okay. I know you're tired, mm-hmm. but this is your part of the show, right? So you need to make an effort for this bit. So I want you to put in all your feeling into oh, it. No. no. No, you just can't do it. You're going to just sit there and read it monotone. No, 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 no. I don't read it monotone, but I
1: kind of nearly do,
0: and that's just part. That's part of the style. It's your delivery. It's your. It's your comic style.
1: You are the Jack D of of. Um, oh, I so wish I was oh yeah i
0: know he makes me laugh <laughs> you- he should stick to stand-up mine i don't like his acting stuff as much why do why do comedians always feel the need <laughs> to become actors yeah. it's like uh, eddie Izzard did that yeah. hilarious in stand-up but the most media you know
1: a mediocre actor let actors act <laughs> do what you're good at i'm trying desperately to think of a comedian who's become, become a good actor oh. i'm sure there is you know, there are always exceptions yes. aren't there There's comic actors as well, but that's a a different thing, I think. Mm. Anyway. Yes, your joke joke from Wizard. An artist asked the gallery owner if there had been any interest in his paintings, which were on display at the time. You know, George, I have good news and bad news, the owner replied. The good news is that a gentleman inquired about your work and wondered if if it would appreciate in value after your death. When I told him it would, he bought all 27 of your paintings. That's wonderful, the artist exclaimed. What's the bad news? The guy was your doctor. <laughs> which I, thought was quite good.
0: I thought he was going to be a hit, <laughs> But, you know, doctor's good too. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so that about wraps up this week's show. Um, I think it... I'm noticing a trend, mine. What's that? Which is the amount of comments we're getting is slowly going down as the season wears on. It's so a good job we're nearly at the end of this season. I think people are getting tired coming up with cool things to say about all of
1: these these things we've finally broken them how many shows have we got to go? i've got no idea which show this is this is the thing this is number
0: nine we're on now let's have a look i'm opening up my calendar actually we've still got quite a few to <laughs> go, i think
1: oh god oh, oh it's so hard
0: right let's have a look so we've got one two three four Five,
1: Maybe six to go. And we're going to do a, a, a special one, aren't we? Are we allowed
0: to talk yeah. about that? Yeah, we can do now. This is really exciting. So we, we said we would do, um, do a, a joint show with Unfinished Business, which is another web design podcast. Um, but now we're also doing it with Happy Mondays too. Mm. So we're going to have Andy Clark joining us from Unfinished Business and Sarah Parmenter from Happy Mondays. And we're going to do the ultimate web design podcast mashup. I've no idea how that's going to work with Christmas carols and stuff. With Christmas carols and shit. <laughs> Although I have, you've given me an opportunity. Of course, I'm not feeling very Christmassy this year because I'm going to the Maldives. Yes, yes, I have got it in. Go. <laughs> Woohoo! Okay, so that wraps up this week's show. Um, Keep the comments coming, guys, um, because we build the show around your feedback, and it is such good. You come up with some, some really great arguments and stuff, and it's really good to hear. So we're posting um, discussion topics twice a week and you can get at them by subscribing at boagworld.com. Also, guys, don't forget that you can um, also subscribe to the individual blog posts that we put out as well. So again, you can get at that from boagworld.com forward slash show and go down to the bottom and you can find that you can basically subscribe to the little little blog posts, which are great if you think we waffle too much on the show or if you hate Marcus (laughs) um, because it's just me. Uh, reading out the blog posts that we do, but I try and make it entertaining. Actually, I fail, but <laughs> never mind. They're there if you want them. All right, thanks very much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. 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 Bye.